Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Vit Muller. Hello, everybody. My guest today is the founder and CEO of Base, voted Bangkok's best studio in the Class Pass Studio Awards 2020 and Asia's Gym of the Year in 2018 at the Fitness Best Awards. He also hosts the uh, Fitness Business Asia podcast, which is a weekly show that was created with a mission to raise the standards of the fitness industry in Asia and a vision of becoming a leading fitness business resource. He's a regular speaker at the fitness industry's biggest events, such as Fit Summit, which I'm sure we'll talk about because there's an upcoming big event coming up, Um, Asia Fitness Conference, FIBO, and XPRO, a couple of big ones. Uh, Please welcome to the show, Jack Thomas. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and happy to share some of my story and some of my thoughts. Hopefully it will help your listeners as well. Great to have you on the show, Jack. And before we kick off, I want to congratulate you on the 100th episode on your podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we hit 100 a few weeks back. Um, yeah, just working hard to build up to 200, making sure we continue to add value each and every week. Love it. Love it. How, by the way, how long have you been doing your podcast for? Been running the podcast for about 18 months. At the beginning, it wasn't weekly. But then going into 2019, I made a decision to make it weekly. I put that goal out there to the masses to give me accountability. So I announced it on the podcast that we'd be doing it weekly. And that kind of helped me in those weeks where maybe I didn't quite have the motivation to do it. So since then, we've put out at least one every week. Now we often put out two a week just because we've got so much content and so many things to talk about. Absolutely. I can actually second that I'm finding it myself having a lot of recorded shows now where I'm like, okay, well, I've got people already like, uh, ready ready for publishing but like in october <laughs> so right right it's good, good position to be in it's good it's good to have yeah it's good to, but one thing i've been thinking about uh, relevancy right because um you listen to maybe show like joe rogan and he's got an episode and he's talking about something that might have been like three days ago so i'm like i guess it's a bit of pros and cons yeah, I think it's yeah good to try and get out a lot of evergreen content. That's what I try and do. And if not, for example, talking about the situation we're going through now, such as COVID, I kind of like make sure that I time start stamp it. Okay, guys, we are in July right now, 2020. So this might not be relevant later down the line. But then I try and make most of that content evergreen. So if someone like jumps into the podcast, a year down the line, it's still going to be very relevant to them. And actually, I notice now in our stats, what we get quite a lot of is someone jumping on and they'll just download every single episode. So they obviously come across it. Okay, this seems pretty useful. You know, as someone in the fitness industry in Asia, and they just download the whole lot. So that's quite interesting to see and quite cool to know that they would do that, you know, a year or two down the line. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And a lot of things that you guys discuss in the podcast are relevant long term. So that's good. Yep, absolutely. And not just long term, I think relevant to other industries as well. You know, when we talk about recruitment for the fitness industry, really that's recruitment for any business or any startup mm. really. So I think a lot of the principles, a lot of the values remain the same pretty much, you know, whatever industry you might be in. Absolutely. So what's been happening in your world lately, Jake? Wow. Um, it's been a crazy year for sure. Uh, we have just <laughs> reopened uh, about six, six, seven weeks ago. We reopened. Things have been pretty good so far. Cases in Thailand are zero they have been for over a month now so things are somewhat getting back to normal and that means the business of course is getting back to normal as well so a few barriers that we had to cross one is government regulation in terms of cleanliness for the gym 
procedures that we have to go through, such as temperature checks. And then also we have that barrier of uh, convincing customers, showing customers that we're taking this seriously. We provided a very safe trading environment. So lots of barriers and challenges this year, but definitely learned a lot as well. So overall, we're in a pretty good place. Uh, definitely can't complain. There are worse places we could be in the world. No, that's awesome. I mean, I got to say, I've been I've been checking the news, and it uh, looks like Thailand has been handling the situation very well. Um, you know, despite the dense population, many direct flights from you know from and to China as well. Mm. Um, I think maybe it could be the uh, could attribute it to their lessons from SARS before. Maybe as a country, they've sort of really sort of had that you know tough time before and had some good some good systems in place now. <clears throat> Could be. It's hard to really say. It's definitely one of the main topics of conversation here is just why our case is so low. You know, it could be mask wearing, could be that people are more used to it, could be that the culture has less physical contact, perhaps. Honestly, I really don't know, but just happy and blessed to be somewhere that isn't ravaged by it, to be honest. Now, there's going to be a couple of things I want to talk about in this podcast that I'm definitely like keen to know about more from, from what you do. Um, number one, obviously, your fitness podcast. I would like to know more about that. Your, your, your gym um, I'm sure a lot of listeners want to know about, you know, what you guys did at base to, to make it so, so, so awesome and got so many awards. Um, but I also want to talk about some fitness industry stuff. So for those guys listening, just a bit of a heads up, we're going to delve into a bit of a rabbit hole with some fitness uh, expert talk, and there's going to be some good stuff there. Um, but first let's jump in and talk about your podcast. What inspired you to start the fitness business Asia podcast? There were a few reasons why I started it. The spark was actually some of our staff saying they wanted to learn more about the business side. So I was thinking, well, how can we do that? You know, are we going to set up like a, a classroom and like teach them how, you know, the numbers and the finances and stuff like that. I just wasn't really sure how that would work. Didn't really know if they were serious about learning about the business side or if it's just something, you know, this sounded nice to them in the moment. So I thought, right, the best way to do this is to set up a podcast. They can listen to the podcast if they want to learn more about the business side. Um, if they're very serious about it and they want to delve deeper into one particular topic, just book in a coffee with, with me, which my team can do at any time. And I'm very happy to you know, wax lyrical at any particular point on the business. So that was the first kind of catalyst, let's say, for the podcast. And then I thought, well, it'd be a great way to connect with other people in the industry. It'd be good for myself to get more used to being on the mic like I am with you today and get more comfortable with that. Public speaking is something that I really wanted to improve in the last 10 years. So I've been kind of on a journey with that. So I thought that would be another important step to get used to just doing interviews and being on a mic. Networking, I thought I could meet the greatest minds in the fitness business in Asia, which was still a little bit tough at the beginning because we were just starting out. But as the podcast has developed and grown, as we've appeared on the Top 10 Entrepreneurship podcast in Asia and most of the main fitness markets, that's kind of helps us to reach out to bigger names, not just in Asia, but also internationally, and just have these amazing conversations where I can basically ask them anything I want. So it's partly for my benefit as a business owner in Asia, uh, but also I can share that with all of our listeners. I can help to build the fitness industry up as well. And that kind of leads us to the main mission of the podcast, really, and what it became and, and something that really drives me to put this content out. The fitness industry is very new, it's very immature in Asia, but it's getting busier. Um, people are getting more into fitness. Asians are getting you know, fitter and stronger, which is great to see. It's becoming more part of their culture to do this kind of stuff. So we thought if we could really build up the fitness industry in Asia, we would kind of be giving back to the people of Asia, but also from a business perspective, it would also help us 
you know, if other second and third tier cities in Asia become first tier cities and they have more developed fitness industries, then maybe base will have the opportunity to expand into those cities. So, you know, building up the fitness industry has many benefits for many different reasons for Asia and also for us at base as well. So it's been awesome. Met many great people, many great guests, uh, really learned a lot and something that I'm definitely going to continue onwards. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And the big takeaway point I'm getting from this is, um, you know, a lot of new opportunities come out of it when we network with other people, when we network with uh, you know other other industry leaders. A lot of lot of awesome stuff happens. A lot of new ideas come out of it, and and it helps you uh, keep keep a fresh mind, right? Otherwise, you know, you you might on on the contrary might be somebody who's just running their own business and who's not doing any of none of that. Um, then they sort of set in their own ways, and they might be wondering why they're not successful, why they're not um, you know solving some problems that they've been trying to solve. Um, Absolutely. So. I mean, I've made really good friends in the industry and we've actually got business from it as well. I've you know, ended up speaking at some conferences around Asia, which has largely come from the podcast, as well as the success we've had at base. But also there is the potential for us to do business with some of the people that have come on the podcast. So just meeting them, having that great conversation, helping them put them in their business out and their message and them helping us, it really kind of strengthens that bond. And for sure down the line, there could be opportunities to do business together. So that's definitely another benefit that comes with it. If we if we label it, we can label it as a networking kind of kind of thing, right? I mean, it's in a way, it's a networking. We are networking right now. We're having a conversation. Um, anybody out there listening, I would say, would you say, you know, for any this is relevant for anybody, right? Anybody that is looking, even starting or hasn't even started their business, but is looking to start a business, and they might feel like I'm not very confident. You know, nobody knows about them. You know, I would definitely like say, you know, just start talking talking to people, right? Yeah, so the, having a podcast enables you to have this great conversation with someone and really, really strengthen that connection. When you reach out to someone for maybe a coffee, you know, you have a quick chit chat and that might be it. But doing a podcast interview, you know, it's probably one of the strongest bonds that you can create with someone. But it doesn't necessarily need to be a podcast. Just don't be afraid to reach out. People reach out to me quite often. And if I can squeeze them in, I'll always, um, you know, meet up with them and have a quick chat. If they reach out in the right way as well you know if they kind of have listened to the podcast or something like that then i'll be happy to meet up with you know pretty much anyone to help them along the way just a little tip if you are reaching out to anyone please don't say oh, i'd love to rack your brains on this or that you know it kind of sounds then like it's unpaid consultancy so i usually yeah. politely <laughs> decline those or i give them my consultancy rate but if they reach out in the right way if they've listened to the podcast if they're obviously a fan of what we're doing and they reach out with like good intentions then I've met many people who have absolutely at the start of their journey. So the lesson there is don't be afraid to reach out to someone and just reach out politely, you know, offer to get them lunch, get them coffee, something like that. Um, show that you have done your research on them. Um, go in with good intentions and many, many people will be willing to give you their time for free. There's also many networking organizations we can actually, you know, on the purpose meet with other business owners. I know, you know, one here over in Australia I'm part of is BX Networking, which has been working, has been working really well for me. Um, um, so yeah, there's many, 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 just look them up, uh, or you can go to yeah. the episode on the 18th of July, um, uh, where I'm talking to Matt Alderton about BX networking for those of you in Australia. Now back to you, Jack. Um, <clears throat> you're from UK. What the hell are you doing in Thailand? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, I'll give you the quick version. I came here about 16 years ago now, 2003, traveling, and the intention was never to stay in Thailand for 16 years, but I was traveling for a while, 
met some people that were teaching English and that looked kind of fun. So I thought I'd give that a go. And while I was teaching English, I found some really cool local like t-shirts, like men's clothing, like quite unique, something that you wouldn't really get in the UK. And so I started just sending a few boxes back to the UK and selling on the internet. That went really well for about five or six years. I grew into a full-fledged business with my friend back in the UK, making good money, way more than I was making when I was working back in the UK and also as teaching here, which doesn't particularly pay well. Did that for about six or seven years, went really well. But 2008, 2009, there was kind of a sharp downturn in the global economy, also known as the credit crunch. And I kind of lost motivation in the clothing export game. So it's a bit of a crossroads. Decided to get into fitness after seeing an opportunity in Thailand's fitness industry, which at the time was just, yeah, very, very young, not really much happening at all. And although I saw an opportunity, I did not know how big that opportunity was. You know, we've seen it grow, grow so much in the 10 years that I have been involved in the fitness industry here, which has really been awesome. And I'm happy and proud to have been a part of that as well. So just jumped in as a coach right at the bottom of the industry, started working for a small studio. A year later, we opened up what would be considered one of the first boutique fitness training studios in Bangkok. And it just kind of exploded overnight. We had a load of ties coming in. They had never really done this kind of training before. TV shows, magazines, it really just kind of blew up overnight. So I had a great five years with that company before I felt ready to go out on my own and start base. So I was quite excited by the prospect of building my own company, building my own team. During my time in the previous studio, I'd gone from coach to manager up to managing director running that company. So although I knew how to run a company, although I knew how to like steer a ship, I didn't really know how to build a company and sort of build something on my own. So that was something that particularly excited me. So I took that leap just over four years ago. Um, nice. And since in this last, last four years, it's gone pretty well. We've gone from one to two to three branches, obviously a few awards along the way. And we've really developed some awesome coaches that do great work with our clients every day. That's awesome. Great story. Great story. And it's, it's a, I think a story of, of, of a true entrepreneur, you know, you've seen a gap in the market, like that t-shirt story. I love that. You know, you, you've seen an opportunity uh, worked and then you've seen another opportunity worked again, but also um, a great lesson there is, is that you, you didn't just start it, you know, you didn't just decide to open the gym without any prior experience. You, you went through being employed first, you know, going through the trenches, building that experience. And I think that's so important for, so important for any business owner. I think there's so many business owners, um, out there, they start out of a passion, but they don't have that experience. They might have the money, and they might have that you know that um, spark to, to have their own business, but they're lacking a lot of experience. And one thing I definitely say is get yourself employed for the first couple of years. Just work under someone else's wing because uh, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna you know if you put money behind that, you're gonna you know save yourself a lot of money doing that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it is such an important lesson. So as I was growing up, it always kind of excited me, the thought of becoming an entrepreneur, having my own business, you know, being your own boss, all the usual stuff. Worked for a bank back in the UK and wasn't really happy doing that. Came out to Thailand, was working for someone as a teacher. And when I started doing the clothing export business, like absolutely loved it. Loved, you know, being my own boss and all that stuff. And it was, yeah, just a really exciting time and really enjoyed it. When I went back to the UK to get qualified as a coach and came back, I was completely and absolutely prepared to just come and work for someone else and learn the ropes. I wasn't like, right, I'm not going to go and work for someone else. I'm not going to go and build up someone else's dream or pay someone else's bills. I was just very happy to have the opportunity to be learning, to be working, and to be really getting involved in the fitness industry. And was very, very happy to work for that company for five years and give them everything that I had. 
you know, by giving them everything that I had, I was able to progress within that company. I was able to learn a lot about the fitness industry, about fitness in general from the other coaches, rather than having a bit of a chip on my shoulder that, you know, I'm building up someone else's business. Like I never felt and never thought that at all. And for me, I then felt ready after five years of giving a lot to that company that I could go and do my own thing. But that's not always the best step for a lot of people. I've seen a lot of coaches in this industry feel like they're ready to go and set up a business, but really they haven't laid the foundations. They haven't built their base. They haven't got to the stage where they've really learned those skills that you need to run a business. They might be a great coach. They might be very popular. They might have a lot of personal training clients and busy classes, but that does not mean they are ready to be a business owner. And that's one of the main stories and the main messages, sorry, that I really get out regularly is don't underestimate that jump from coach to business owner. Make sure you lay the foundations, try and get a managerial position, perhaps at another company, give them a few years in that position. Don't think after a month, you're ready to just run off and do your own thing. And by doing that, you will then hopefully be ready to run your own business. And it will at least give you a good idea if you have the tools to run your own business. You know, we've had a situation at base where we promoted someone to manager. He was happy. He felt ready. I had confidence in him. Didn't go so well. Six months down the line, he asked to step back and he was absolutely happy with that. He's still with us today. He was very happy to have had that experience, but he now knows he does not make a good manager. So he now thinks, okay, I'm happy where I am. Maybe if I do set up a company in the future, I would definitely have to employ managers. That's it's not something that really comes naturally to me. So absolutely agree with you there, that you've got to put in that groundwork. You've got to go through that journey step by step. You can't be skipping steps. It's not going to work out so well, especially in the fitness industry. All great points. And I also think to add to that is, you know, important to check your ego. Sometimes, you know, just our ego gets in the way. We think too much of ourselves and then we burn us as badly. Um, and a really good quote I heard from somebody, um, I can't remember who it was on my, one of my shows, uh, but basically don't go too high with the highs and don't go too low with the lows. Like sometimes, you know, the journey of running a business, it's, it's up and down. It's, 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 you know, it's never a straight line, right? So sometimes it's going really well. And what a squat basically means when things are going really well, just, just keep your ego in check. Don't let it to, you know, build up in your head. Um, but, and it's just as well when things are going really low, um, just don't, don't go, don't go with it. Don't, don't let yourself, you know, too down. Just trying to stay in the middle. And by doing so, you always sort of be in that right, right level where you've got a good control over your emotions, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely a good way to put it. I think if you get too excited by the highs and, you know, it really affects you and you're on top of the world and everything, then you're naturally going to get dragged down a lot when there's mm. lows as well. I think the highs and lows of entrepreneurship are just one of the things that you need to get used to. Um, I think if, if for some people, for many people, that's just not right for them. It's just not suited to their personality. You know, I still have nights now where things keep me up at night. You know, as the business grows, new problems develop, even when you're perceived as being successful and things are going well, that's just normal. And for many people, that's just not right for them. That's a good thing to understand and a good thing to recognize. And if that's the case, try and work for the very best company for you where you can, with a, they have a, a vision and a, a mission that you really buy into, you believe in, that gets you excited, that gets you up every day, but you have that stability, you don't have those massive ups and downs, you don't have huge responsibility and risks. And for many, many people, that is the right thing to do. You know, entrepreneurship is not necessarily the best way. And I think honestly, for most people, it, it isn't the case. Absolutely. Now, speaking of up and downs, um, you guys have been running base for four years now. What were the biggest, biggest downs in that journey of four years for you? I think the biggest down was probably the first six months because things weren't going particularly well. And although we were very confident that we'd built something great, we were getting 
good feedback from friends that can give me a straight, honest, objective opinion that, you know, this really was a great studio and the classes were good and the coaches were on point, but we just weren't really seeing the numbers. I think one reason for that was that our sales and marketing wasn't very good. We decided to do it internally, um, which ended up being the right decision because we really learned a lot about sales and marketing during those first six months in the first year. And that's something that we continue to do internally, something that we've got much, much better at. So it ended up being a good thing for the company, I think. But the first six months were quite tough for that reason. We weren't really doing the right online marketing and advertising. That was something we didn't know much about. So once we started to get to grips on that, you know, we opened August 2016. January 2016, we tried a few campaigns that were working well. It brought people in and we just sort of see, saw an uptick from there. So getting through that first six months was, was hard and was tough. Another lesson that we learned is that we brought on staff that weren't great on the sales side. You know, really mm -hmm. good on customer service, but really shied away from sales. And I convinced myself and kind of convinced him that we could train him up. We could show him the importance of good sales and how to do it and how it really is just service, but you need to reframe it in your mind. And I think I did a great job of convincing both of us that he was the right guy for the job when I was interviewing him and kind of oversaw how much he shied away from the idea of selling something to someone and you know shoving something they, down their throat that they don't want. And so that was a difficult bridge to overcome, but he recognized that, I recognized that. We replaced him after a few months on good terms, brought someone in who had great experience in sales, was really excited to sell. She was really um, motivated by having targets. So we got her in and she really helped to turn the business around as well as having those right campaigns, online ads, Facebook, Instagram are particularly uh, big here in, in Thailand. The combination of those two things, having the sales in the branch and better marketing, really helped us in, the, you know, in that first January. January is always a huge time for gyms. So that was definitely one of the downs. Uh, no huge downs after that, but daily there's always challenges, problems, you know, members of staff that don't work out, promotions that don't work out is the one that I already said, but nothing like huge has really impacted the business on a big scale, except for COVID. But the different thing about COVID is it affects every single human being on the planet. So that makes it a different type of challenge, really. And I think that makes it a more exciting challenge in a way because it's not something that's just happening to us it's something that's happening to the world so although it's been a very difficult three or four months you know sort of navigating through these challenges from a personal perspective from a managerial perspective from a business perspective it's actually been in some ways very rewarding as well as stressful of course mm, absolutely i mean it challenges you and you have to innovate because i mean you have to either innovate or try and uh, try and uh, disturb the market altogether Yes. Now, two, two big takeaway points I'm getting. Number one, making sure that you've got the right people in your organization and there's uh, you know, the right people for the right task. Um, and, and there's a really good book that I, I like to refer a lot to, which is the E-Myth, e which a lot of people know about E-Myth, right? Um, you know a myth? I've heard it, yes. I haven't read yep. the book, but I've heard of it. Um, so in the book, basically, the, the Michael Gerber, the author Hopefully, I got that name right. Um, he talks about, you know, in a business, you, you should have three roles fulfilled. You, you should have an entrepreneur, just, you know, somebody that sort of had that, you know, idea of, you know, uh, solving a problem and started a business. Um, but then you need a manager, somebody who's going to make sure that the things are being done and done well. And lastly, you need those technicians. You need those people who are, uh, you know, could be a salesperson, could be a coach on the floor. You need those people that are fulfilling a particular task. Um, specifically and doing it well. So understanding those concepts in any business, making sure you've got the right people in those in those uh, positions. And second big takeaway I'm getting from what you said is, is again, um, when you start sometimes as an entrepreneur, um, you might be really excited because you've come up with a great idea of solving a problem. 
and and that sort of gets you going to start it but then very quickly you realize the importance of having having systems in place right so mm. would you say you guys had to pivot a lot when you were starting in 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 terms of developing systems or have you had a systems decent systems from the get go we have not had decent systems from the get go i would say that's <laughs> one of the big lessons that we've learned for sure i mean my old business we didn't really have great systems and it was not something that I took into this company. So one of the big advantages to being part of a, another company that's grown a lot and, you know, you end up having a, say, a managerial position or, you know, upper management, say, in another company is when you go and do your own thing, it's like a totally clean slate. You know, anything that's wrong with the culture or where the company is or any of the, even like the pay rates and stuff like that, that are always very difficult to change or adapt when you have a company up and running. You know, it's the opportunity when you start your own thing to just start completely from scratch. So I started tried to really learn as many lessons as I could from my past business as you know, anyone should do in a similar position. So that means the things that we did really well uh, in my old company and also the things that I thought could be improved. Systems wasn't something that I really looked at. So although we had a few documents floating around, a lot was just in people's heads and that's just not a way to run a company at all. With one studio, you can kind of get by. It's fine with with one location. It's not great, don't get me wrong, but you can get by day to day because everyone kind of knows what they need to do. And so when a new member of staff comes in, the manager just teaches them based in what's in their head. So it can just about function, but it doesn't particularly function well. Uh, but the bigger problem is when you open a second studio, then suddenly holes start to really emerge everywhere. You start not to get a consistent experience if you don't have systems, if you don't have proper training. So mm. we really recognize that and we started working on getting better systems, better operating procedures that were documented, a better training process for new staff. Then we went from two locations to three locations after making two a success and a bunch of other holes started popping up in the company. You know, it gets even harder then to have that same solid, consistent experience every time someone comes to base, whether that's location one, two, or three. So we recognized this and started working overtime to try and get ahead of ourselves in terms of systems and processes. It was quite clear that we had to catch up every time we grew. So we're like, right, let's, let's build systems. Let's build um, operating procedures that could run 10 bases. You know, let's, let's have that mindset now with everything that we do and everything we put into these guides and manuals and our training processes. And we've been doing that for about a year. And I think we've got a very solid grip now on three branches. We're probably not quite at the level we need to be at 10, but we're still going to try and build up to that before we move into our fourth location. And I think that mindset switch was a really, really big one for us. People often ask me, what's the one thing you would do differently if you were to go back and set up base? Sales and marketing, as I've already mentioned, we would get back... You know, we would uh, invest more into that, maybe bring on someone to help us in those early days before we knew anything. But probably the biggest thing is standard operating procedures. Because when you open up, it's actually the easiest time to do it. You know, okay, day one, how do we open the branch? You know, okay, well, when you arrive, you unlock the door, you switch on the computer, you set up the booking system, you turn the lights on. And actually, if you do that from day one, it can be quite easy. If you try and do that at day 365 it's a little bit harder because so many things are happening and so many processes are just in people's heads so super important we realize that the hard way and i think it is worth mentioning here before we move on even if you only have one branch it is still incredibly important because then you have a company that you can maybe sell because it can run without you maybe you can go on holiday for a week or a month and the company will still run if everything's in people's heads and if other things happen and people don't know how to deal with it, things collapse very quickly. And that's one of the biggest problems I think that business owners have is they realize they just can't step away from the business and they absolutely can't sell it because without them, the whole place falls apart. Absolutely. So yeah, super important for sure. And I recommend that anyone invests into that. 
at an early stage. Yeah, for sure. And 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 the one big thing there with systems as well is um, if you with that all big problem with scaling, I guess is is that um, like you said, sometimes um, sometimes you're trying to grow too fast and you haven't got all the all the dots in place, all the systems in place, and whether that be you know some manual tasks um, in those systems, but also some automation. But I mean, if you haven't got none of it in properly tried and battle tested and in place. And then you decide, oh, we're doing well, we're growing. Let's just grow more studios. You might actually collapse the whole business by doing so. So it's very important to sometimes slow down, like you've guys done, right? You slow down right now. Because of COVID, yeah, that's, that's definitely slowed us down. The plan is to go into Singapore, but that's been put on the back burner for now for that reason. So it's given us an opportunity to kind of catch up and invest in this and our technology. But also, like you said, you also, that's right, you also slow down because you want to make sure you've got the right systems that it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's 10 locations ready. Yeah, and there's two reasons to have great systems. One is like just the organization, like things fall apart just in the booking system or the way that new clients come in and kind of register, you know, in, in each of the branches. But it's also the, the quality and the standards. You know, if you don't have those systems in terms of training your coaches and training your client-facing staff, like the standards just drop. So not only is it unorganized, but you can have a poor class. And that would be the thing that would hurt me the most. I think that someone came to base and didn't get a great session. Yeah, that, mm. that, that's, that's the beginning at the end of the brand if that starts to happen regularly. Absolutely. And what we're really talking when we talk systems, we're, we're just talking about way of doing things repetitively under a certain standard. And, and, and when you do have that uh, system, or actually, when you have a system behind the system or like how you document things as well, um, you can then um, analyze. And that's a big one. You want to be able to go and go once a week or once a fortnight, once a month, go through a bit of a reporting and see where your weak areas are. And if you didn't have that in in place you wouldn't be able to uh, highlight where those areas are for improvement right so it's it's also important a good a good one is with you, you talk about onboarding right like you know how you open the studio and all that um these days there's so many there's so many options here um uh, a typical really good one that i i see um working really well uh, for businesses is one of those drop feed uh, online courses where you've got a little little video followed by a little quiz so basically whoever that individual in your organization is they they get to watch that little video but they also have a, there's also an aspect of confirming that they've acquired that knowledge, you know, doing a little, little quiz and moving on the next thing. And then they get some sort of a certificate or something really easy, really uh, scalable as well. I like that a lot. Maybe I'll ask you after the podcast for, for a bit more information on that actually, because we're at the stage now where it's basically all written down and it's pretty boring to look through, to be honest with you. It's all down there, which is an important step. But we've actually been thinking about that. How can you make it a bit more digestible, a little bit yeah. more fun, let's say, for the new staff to come in and do it. So yeah, it's a good idea. You know, have video, a multiple choice questionnaire, something like that, just to make sure that they kind of get through it and just to make that, that onboarding process more fun for new staff, which I think, you know, is important. <coughs> Pardon me. Absolutely. I'll, um, I'll fill you in some details on that. Now, I want to talk about uh, more of an industry chat as well. Actually, before we got to that, um, by now, a lot of the listeners are like, well, you guys have been talking for a fair bit and we still don't know what this base thing is about. So how come, you know, how, I mean, let's talk about that because, I mean, you got certain awards as, a, as, a, as an Asia's best gym in 2018 um, and it, you don't get awarded for nothing. So what is unique about base? What do you guys do that is different and what sort of lies behind success? 
Before we get into what's unique and what's differentiated about BASE, I think it's important to talk about the mindset that we went into BASE with, and that was to create one of Asia's leading gyms and a gym that if you put it in New York, you put it in Sydney, you put it in London, it would still be one of the very best gyms. So we kind of used the world's best fitness markets as inspiration and as our benchmark. You know, nothing against Bangkok's industry. There's a lot of good studios here, but no one's like, I would say, absolutely world-class, really, in what they're doing. So we had that mindset of like, let's build the gym that would just kill it in New York. And I think by going in with that mindset, it really helped us in all the little decisions that we made when we were building that out. You know, one thing we felt that was lacking in the boutique fitness space was like nice bathrooms. So we invested more into getting nice bathrooms, nice lighting. Not many were giving towels. So we gave a workout towel and a shower towel free as part of the class, part of the membership. And so when we were designing it, when we were doing the branding and investing into that, that mindset definitely helps us to build a gym that would be one of, you know, hopefully one of the world's best. If we didn't quite make that, certainly one of Asia's best or Thailand's best. So that mindset was really, really important, I think. And then when we were building out base, we had to consider what's different about our gym, what's different about our studio. When I first came into the industry, there were no boutique studios. So simply being a boutique fitness studio, full stop, you were differentiated because everything else was kind of hotel gyms or chain gyms, big box gyms. So that was all you needed to be. And, and talking to, still talking about in Asia or are you talking about overall? Really just in Asia, but certainly in Bangkok. Like when we opened you know, my, the, the studio that I used to work at, there were no other studios like that. So mm-hmm. you know, you, there was like some Western coaches there and we were kind of doing circuit training and it was more specialized, more personalized than you would get in your big box gym. So that alone made it different, made it differentiated. By the time we opened base, there were a lot more studios. So we had to consider, okay, what makes us different? But one thing that I really liked from the gyms that I'd been to in New York and London were kind of including cardio in the workout. So we have Barry's Bootcamp. It's one of the sort of leading examples in the industry. They do treadmills and floor work. And I really enjoyed that. So I was like, I want to introduce more cardio into the class. So we introduced cardio machines when no one else was doing it here in Bangkok. So we have treadmills, rowing machines, and bikes. And we combine that with strength work to create our, our signature class, which is called Basecamp. So that was something that was unique and differentiated. But we wanted something a little bit more. So the second part was we wanted to record and track our clients' results as they went through each program, which we felt was something that was missing from group class training, not just in Bangkok, but worldwide. And as part of the research for setting up base, I've been to a lot of the world's best gyms. And I thought, okay, you go in, you get a sweat, you burn a ton of calories or whatever. But, you know, how much stronger am I getting? How much fitter? How much faster am I getting? So we played around with many different ways to do that. First, we had people would write it on the boards, their scores in certain sets and their weights. And we would put it into like an Excel spreadsheet for each client. You can probably feel now how that would go. Massively labor intensive, really difficult to do. Um, The front desk didn't enjoy doing that much. So they weren't very happy with it. And it just kind of broke down very quickly. So then we switched to a monthly session that each client would do. They again would write it on a piece of paper and we would put it into a spreadsheet for them and a PDF and send it to them. That worked much, much better, but was still quite a lot of work. Um, It didn't really capture the minds of our members, let's say. We decided to invest into technology that would do that as they work their way through the group class, which we called baseline. So now as you go through a group class, at the end of each set, You tap your name, it's all linked into our booking system. You tap in your uh, scores, your distance that you've run, the weights that you've lifted. It comes up on a leaderboard on the screen. You get an email after the workout. You can log into our dashboard online and see all of your stats, all of your results. We've invested a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of energy into this concept. And that now has really rounded off this initial differentiator in in a great way. 
Clients absolutely love it. And this technology and this concept is something that will really enable us to go into the biggest fitness markets in Asia and then hopefully the world as well. We put two years of work into this. Um, the company that are developing the technology also did our branding as well. They're doing a fantastic job and it's just been received so well by our members. They love the leaderboard. If they don't want to be on the leaderboard, if they want their, their scores to be kept to themselves, then they can uh, tick a box on the back end of the dashboard and it only gets emailed to them. They, they're the only ones that see their stats and see their graphs. Clients absolutely love it, whether it's for the competitive side or whether it's for, oh, this is how much I've improved. This is how much I've, you know how much my fitness has shot up since I've come to base. So that now I'd say is the big, strong differentiator for us. You know, other gyms have cardio equipment and strength work. We have a unique way of doing that, but really it's a technology that takes us to the next level. I mean, overall, when you look at the industry, gamification um, of you know, people's efforts at the gym is, is definitely a, a, a continuing trend. But I got to say, I've never heard of anything such in depth. So I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, I mean, so far, what I've, and I've been in the industry for 10 years, things that I've seen, I know my zones, um, you know, like I think Orange Theory, they, they use um, the, the my zones for the, for the calories and, and heart rate zones. Um, that's, that's a good one. But you guys, when way down the rabbit hole with tracking people's lifts and reps and everything. That's awesome. I mean, I got to say, actually, um, when I was a PT, I was, because I'm a little bit of a left brain when it comes to that stuff. Um, <clears throat> I actually done a similar thing. Naturally, like I wanted to track people's progress and I just created a bit of sim simple X or spreadsheet where I was able to track one RMs and put the little formulas in there so it would calculate that. But one thing I was always frustrated with <laughs> as a as an individual training one person is um um you know being able to you know create it in a more simple way so i think investing in something like that which is what you guys done it's definitely i mean it's, it's i'm sure it's paid off and and it's been able to provide an, a great unique point of difference for your members so this is awesome and um i gotta say you know when things calm down i can't wait to come and visit thailand and do a workout because i mean i was looking at your instagram and um the branding it's amazing. Um, and well, let's talk about partnerships because I also saw that you guys partner up with Adidas. Amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was, it was huge for sure. I think just having that stamp of approval from one of the world's biggest brands was definitely a big deal. No doubt about it. We get asked this question a lot. How did you get the partnership with Adidas? So I'll tell you the story. My business partner. So I have four investors that I work with on, on base and one of them has a retail chain in Thailand. And so he already had a connection with Adidas, but it certainly wasn't as easy as like, oh cool, they're just gonna jump on board. You know, they need to make sure that we're gonna represent their brand well, we're gonna be the right kind of partner for them. So he kind of got the foot in the door. He got the initial meeting with them, which is kind of one of the benefits to having a business partner who is well connected. But yeah, the job certainly wasn't done. I had to go in and sell them on the dream, the vision of the company, what we were gonna do, the kind of members that we would bring in. I think having the strength of my business partner is one of the partners of the business, and then also my experience in the industry, coupled with a really strong business plan, a really strong vision. We'd already had the CGI made with all the branding of exactly how the first studio would look, and they just kind of bought into that dream. You know, I think it's tied in quite nicely to what they were focusing on at the time, which was women's fitness training. Naturally, in boutique training, it's 60, 65% or more female. So they quite liked that as well. But yeah, it looked like an exciting brand for them to work with. Obviously, we were very happy to work with Adidas as well. And what's that then? They went for it. The local team bought into it. They had to then present it to the regional team because they don't work with any other gyms in Thailand. But I guess the strength of our presentation and our connection with them, our contacts with them, enabled them to present a good case to their regional team 
team who said, yeah, let's go for it. Um, we had a year and a half contract, which has been renewed twice. So they're obviously very happy with the partnership. And I think it's a classic case of win-win. You know, that we get to work with one of the world's biggest brands. Our coaches get to wear Adidas gear, head to toe in all of their workouts. They get free kit every three months, which they're extremely happy with. And that's an extra benefit that we can bring to our our team, our, our coaches, but also Adidas gets to link their brand with this amazing fitness experience that you know hundreds of people go through every single day, and that's a powerful thing for them to do. So I think although Adidas, of course, is a bigger company by a long, long way, they still get something great from it as well. And it's good that they see that benefit and they understand that. You know, we've done a ton of activations, workouts for influencers and celebrities that they brought in. You know, we always design the workouts, we create this amazing experience, and that's always been a base Adidas co-branded event. So yeah, it's really been awesome. It's really a big deal. And I think if you know another benefit is if a new client comes to Bangkok, a new potential client, and they're looking at gyms and they see one which is sponsored by Adidas, that kind of tells them it's it's legit. So that brings them through the door. Then the great experience they have here makes sure they stay with us as a customer. Credibility is very important. So this is amazing. Now, one, one big takeaway I'm getting from this. Did I hear right that you said you had a CGI before the gym opened? And so you've, you've basically approached them before you even properly started operating? That's right, yeah. Now, for you guys listening, what do you do? I mean, what's running through your head? I'll tell you what's running through my head. This is a perfect example of of um, being res, uh, resource, res, uh, resourcefulness. A uh, good example of resourcefulness. When you don't have something yet, but you figure out how you can achieve it. And I mean, attracting Adidas, it's like a thin air, right? Out of a thin air, you didn't have anything. Um, so it's just it's just to show it's just got to show um, how important it is to believe in your vision because if you didn't have that vision how you wanted that gym to look like um, you wouldn't be able to sort of create those CGIs those those um, demonstrations and first and foremost you wouldn't be able to attract such a big brand so that's congrats mate that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's, it's, I never really thought of it quite like that, but we were presented an opportunity. The opportunity was before we opened the gym. You've got to take that shit seriously. You know, we went in, we had a half an hour, maybe 45 minute meeting with the top guys in Adidas in Thailand. We had to blow them away. So we put so much into that presentation in terms of just talking about the story of the brand, my background, my partner's background, what we wanted base to be, where we wanted it to go, you know, baseline, which at the time wasn't technology, but it was still a key pivotal part of our concepts, the people that I'd worked with before. And then, yeah, the brand, the website that we kind of already had done. So we had some screenshots from that and just let them know that, hey, we're serious about this. You know, we want to make a, a massive impact in not just Thailand's fitness industry, but Asia's and the world's as well. And so then they're like, yeah, this is the kind of brand that we want to work with. You know, we had one opportunity to sell that dream. We had to put everything we had into it. And so getting a proper presentation done, which included CGI and everything we were doing was definitely an important step. So yeah, never quite thought of it like that, but yeah, it's a good point. It's true. <laughs> uh, now, what do you think is the next big thing in the industry that's going to happen? I mean, you've, you talked a lot of uh, people in the industry, so. The next big thing. Hmm. Simple questions to answer. Um, you know, there's going to be tons of fads and trends that come and go. I think we've worked hard to build a concept that has longevity. I think if you take, um, you know, some workouts that are like on a surfboard and you kind of jump on and off and do core work, you know, stuff like that kind of comes and goes. So we looked to build a concept that would kind of survive the test of time. If you look at, say, CrossFit, for example, 
Yeah, people have different opinions on CrossFit, but the movements they do in CrossFit are just your standard movements. They never go out of fashion, right? They do squats, they do running, they do rowing, you know, deadlifts, and that will give that brand or that concept, let's say, uh, longevity. You know, it's already been around for 10 years or so. So I think in terms of like what's next in terms of like the next fad, it's difficult for me to say really. I try not to pay like too much attention to that. Mm. I think, if it was, hmm, I think franchising is going to get bigger. I think, I think we've kind of, it's become harder now for um, independent gyms to really stand out and to really compete with the big guys. So when you look at people like Orange Theory, F45, Barry's Bootcamp, they kind of come in with lots of money, you know, huge marketing budgets. Um, yeah, just a lot of uh, like financial power behind them. It's mm -hmm. quite hard for independents to compete with that. So I think we are seeing a shift away from the independent a little bit more towards franchises. You know, we, that's one of the potential options for us is to offer uh, franchising. Um, what else are we going to see? I mean, it's just such a different time now than compared to six months ago. If you'd asked me this question, then it might be a little bit different. I think we're not going to see a huge amount of movement in the fitness industry, I don't think, in the next six months. Of course, shift to online virtual is definitely big. I don't think it's going to be as big as people are saying, personally. We've definitely seen that here at Base since we opened. We've seen a massive drop in our online numbers, like huge. You know, we built an online platform that did really well during lockdown. But that's gone down a lot. But I think in the more developed markets, I think people are more... Um, more okay to stay at home and kind of do online workouts, Zoom workouts, stuff like that. But I don't think it's going to be as big a shift as people think. I think there is no substitute to actually going into a gym in person, having this amazing experience. And I think if people are happy just doing a workout at home with like a dumbbell and a resistance band, then maybe you need to look at your gym and what you're doing in there to make sure, you know, the experience is good enough so it doesn't get rivaled by an online workout. Mm. I think we're going to see just looking at industry shifts. I think we're going to definitely see consolidation. I've been saying that for about a year anyway, but I think now especially, and we're already starting to see that some of the big names are merging with other companies or acquiring smaller companies. So it's going to be a really interesting time. It's a difficult question to answer. Social distancing is going to have an effect on the industry, of course, as well, that in-person experience. So we're going to see an interesting six to 12 months. I think we're going to see um, independent small gyms struggling a lot. For sure, we're going to see some mergers um, amongst some of the fitness companies and some consolidation, definitely. We're going to see a bit of a shift to online. Um, and then I think it just, and then I, I believe we're going to see a, a recession possibly next year, which I think will have a lot of impact on the industry, especially for those smaller studios that were kind of struggling anyway, which we have a lot of in our industry. So, yeah, a lot of ifs and buts there. Sorry, there's not much <laughs> decisive. No, no, this is what's going to happen, but that, that's my analysis of the current state of the industry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you're not. Well, that's pretty much the way I was thinking as well. I think to add to that, I think one thing that we'll also see shifting is in in the world of personal training specifically, um, a gym based, you know, personal trainers who you know used to paying rent in a particular location, we might see a shift of of more home based trainers delivering their personal training through Zoom and and doing um, uh, virtual classes with you know their base because uh, I think that's already been a case for I mean a lot of gyms, but when you think about people. Um, and why they want to do a workout um, other than obviously an experience like in you know, an awesome boutique place like you guys have. Um, it's always about the coach and the relationships they build with, with the coach. So I think we might see, we might see that happening with, with, with personal trainers and their clients. If I agree. Can't. I think that's one of the things that we have seen as well, especially in the more developed markets, I think. And it depends on whether they went to that gym because they loved the whole experience and they loved how the receptionist welcomed them and they loved the branding and they loved posting an Instagram photo afterwards and all of that. 
or whether they just love the coach that they went with. And now that coach is just doing online stuff and doing online programs and they just want to stay with them. And I think honestly, you're seeing that in the more developed fitness markets, such as Australia, UK and America. Here in Thailand, or certainly with base, at least in the premium end of the industry, it's kind of more about the whole experience. I'm part of the base brand rather than so much. I'm here for this particular coach. Now, Jake, a couple of, couple of personal questions thrown back at you. Um, sure. What about training and fitness? What do, you, what do you do to keep fit? Honestly, I just do base classes. You know, I, I built a concept that I loved and I use. It works very well for me. You know, I love doing Spartan races. So we, me and friends travel to various Spartan races around the place. There was due to be a few this year we're going to, but those have all been cancelled. I mean, I like that because it helps me improve my kind of functional strength. You know, I'm pulling myself over walls, carrying stuff cardio fitness as well because there's a big running component to it so that's something that i do enjoy you know i play basketball i play football so i try and develop my fitness for that so i kind of want to be nimble quick fast fit like cardiovascularly fit and strong as well and base certainly helps me do that that's awesome i mean i wouldn't have expected any other answer so <laughs> <laughs> of course you have that's to good. do in this industry you have to you, you gotta you gotta do your own concepts i do know gym owners that don't train at their own gym you know they don't join their own group classes and i think there's something wrong there if you don't consume mm -hmm. your own product yeah, especially because I mean, um, what you are doing is essentially, I mean, I'm referring to, you know, you doing all these extra, <clears throat> extra stuff, interviews, doing a podcast. Um, you might not even think about it or haven't maybe haven't even thought about it as a, as a main reason for starting it. Cause I know you said that, you know, you're doing a podcast because you want to provide more value to the other people, but what you're also doing for yourself, you're becoming a key person of influence in your field. And um, for a lot of um, business owners, in a way, you have to be a key person of influence in your own area, in your own little community, right? So a good example, again, back to what you said, you know, if, if there's a, a, a private you know, location, private gym owner, you know, started their own business, if you're not working out at that gym, you're not going to influence those people and the community is not going to be as strong. So it's a big one, 100%. Yeah, I think the people within the business and certainly the founder or the manager or, you know, the, the guy or girl at the top is you kind of got to be your own brand's biggest advocate. You know, you are representative of the brand. I'm aware that I am representative of base and I've tried as much as I can over the last few years to really push as many like interviews and stuff like that to the, to the rest of the team because I don't want to be purely the face of base. But naturally, you know, I'm probably seen as its biggest ambassador and representative. So I've got to be in there doing the classes. You get to chat to members as well. You get some great information from them, you know, how are you doing? How's base? Are you happy with the cleanliness measures we put in place since then? How often do you train? Have you used baseline? Just having those conversations whenever I go to base, which I always do, you know, you learn so much from that. So even just from that reason alone, you know, you kind of got to do it and you've got to immerse yourself in the business. Otherwise you can become very detached and that's not a good place to be in. See, so yeah, I throw myself into base. I throw myself into the industry. Every time I'm back at home, I'll go to all the top gyms in London, revisit some of the big ones and go to the ones I haven't been to before. I do that in Singapore, Hong Kong. Me and my girlfriend went to New York and LA last year, pretty much a fitness trip, you know, 10 days and five days in each city, just going to all the top gyms. And you learn a huge amount from that as well. So whether you're in fitness, whether you're in F and B and you do that in top restaurants or hotels, you've got to, you know, observe the industry and get inspiration and see what people are doing. It's absolutely key. It's absolutely pivotal. And I, you know, become kind of obsessive about that, but I think you have to, to really take your business to the next level.
Absolutely. Yeah. That's a big takeaway point from, from there. You know, you got to consistently stay, stay a sponge, be a sponge, never, never, uh, think that you've done it all now and you, and, and you're all good. You got to continue learning, right? Having your eyes, eyes open and be that sponge absorbing those things. Like you said, doing workouts at other places. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a bit of a cliche now. I've heard it a lot, but you know, the more you learn, the less you realize, you know, you know, I thought when we opened base, oh man, I know it all. I'm ready to do this. I've got tons of experience. I've been running a company. And then six months later, like, damn, that was hard. <laughs> There's a lot that I didn't know back then. And I think there's probably a lot that I don't know about how to get us to the next stage and having that realization that like, yeah, you know, the bigger you get and the more experience you get, the more you're like, well, okay, I can run three gyms now, but what about 10? What about a hundred? Like, how do I do that? Like the reality is I don't quite know how to run a hundred gyms right now or even 10. So yeah, I've got to be constantly learning, constantly be developing, meeting people. They have opened 10 or a hundred gyms, which the podcast has enabled me to do. So I can kind of rack their brains and learn from them. Uh, you've got to have that mindset to keep growing, keep developing. If you want your co- uh, company to keep growing and keep developing. I'm sure we're going to see uh, big things from you, mate. You're on the right track with everything you're doing. sounds like, you know, you're on the right path. You're doing everything right. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, no, you're welcome, mate. Um, now we're at the you know, last couple of uh, bits and pieces of this episode because I like to keep it to an hour, Max. Um, do, you, do you have um, anything that you, you would say to, to those that are listening right now? Um, in particular, uh, fitness business owners or, or wannabe fitness business owners, uh, and advice that one one tip of advice that you'd like to give, other other uh, other than everything else that we've already spoken about. <laughs> mm. I think I, I probably have to reiterate some of the things that we've said, if you don't mind, and I'll see if anything right. else pops into my head along the way. One is don't underestimate what it means to run a business. We do not do this very well in the fitness industry. We think we're a good coach. We're going to be a good business owner. That's not the case. So listen to my podcast. Listen to your podcast. Try and learn as much as you can about the business side. Um, Another thing is reach out, as we've already discussed as well. You know, mentorship is big. Consider investing into that. You know, reach out to me. I'm happy to have a chat if you reach out to me in the right way. If you want mentorship, there is a consultancy I do offer. You know, reach out to someone, whether it's to grab a free chat and to try and get inspired by them, or if you want deeper help from them and you want them to be more invested in your success, then that's something that you can financially invest in as well. And that's huge and that's big. And yeah, just commit to being on a constant journey of learning. You know, try and avoid some of the mistakes that, that I went through and that I've talked about, you know, thinking I knew it all when I opened the first base and not getting the right sales staff on. So, yeah, try and learn from others' mistakes by, you know, either listening to podcasts or connecting with them. And I think that's, that's a big way forwards. And I think with COVID and everything that's happening now, sorry to timestamp the episode, but I think it'll be quite useful for people. <laughs> I think just consider it's going to be a tough six to 12 months. There's no doubt about that. And so if you've been really struggling the last 12 months and you've not been enjoying it, perhaps... You know, some people realize when they get into the fitness industry that it's not everything they dreamed of in terms of running a business and they actually prefer being a coach. If you've been having those feelings for a while and you've not been making any money, think very, very carefully about whether you want to continue on this journey or not because the next six, 12 months are going to be very difficult. There's no shame in stopping now if, if, if that is the case. If you decide that you want to continue with this, make sure you throw everything you've got into it. Make sure you're willing to grow, willing to develop, willing to learn from your mistakes and you're willing to do everything it needs to make your business work again. And um, I think that's an important conversation for any business owner full stop to have, certainly in the fitness industry, damn sure if you're in the tourism industry, <laughs> consider that if this is an industry you want to be in for much longer. And I think that's just an, it's an important moment to consider these things and really think about it carefully. Absolutely. Mate, it was, it was great talking to you. Um, lots of value bombs here. So I'm going to make sure I'll put it all in a, in a, 
in the show notes. I actually timestamp everything now and I add a keyboards in there as well. So I keep an eye out on that. Um, where can people find you if they want to find out more about Bayes um, or, or if somebody wants to, you know, get some consulting done um, with you? Yeah, talk about the two things. We've got Base, Base Bangkok anywhere. BaseBangkok.com, BaseBangkok on Instagram, Facebook slash, slash BaseBangkok. Super easy to find. The other stuff, Fitness Business Asia. Just Google that, put it in Apple, put it in Spotify, and it will come straight up. FitnessBusinessAsia.com. There's a contact page on there so people can reach out. We can have a chat or, yeah, I do offer consultancy as well when I can squeeze it in. Oh, and we also forgot to mention Fit Summit. Uh, yes, that's right. Fit Summit now, coming soon. We're going to keep it. We could we could keep we talk about keeping things evergreen. So, um, Fit Summit for the music, those of you guys listening, it's it's um, one of the biggest industry online events, and I've come across it a couple of months ago, and I've attended, and it's amazing. Imagine going to an expo like a fitness expo, uh, but doing it online. You've got a virtual breakout rooms, you've got stages, and most most importantly some really big names in the industry owners of of, of huge uh, fitness businesses once again thank you mate for being on the show thank you for everybody listening to today's episode um if you want to get in touch with jack definitely check him out check out his uh, base gym if you're gonna go to bangkok for holidays go and squeeze in a workout because you know you gotta keep active uh, it's important and um if you're interested in more stuff that we do um just check out all the links in the show notes with that Thank you very much all for listening and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for the opportunity, Vic. It's a pleasure. Let's do it again sometime.